We all have a favorite movie. Good evening. This is Dr. Zeus of the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We all have a favorite documentary. We all have that favorite actor that we enjoy or director or even cinematographer. There's a film that I absolutely love that I haven't watched in a long time. I used to watch it all the time, and that's Anti-Mame. Rosalind Russell, the role that she originated on Broadway. What an amazing character. It's almost told like a play because after each scene, the scene goes dark and then a a very colorful movie. I love this movie. It makes you feel good. And then the Goonies. I know we go from anti-mang to the Goonies. The Goonies is such a... I, I remember the first time I watched The Goonies. It was 31 years ago. I, I was at probably about 9 or 10, probably. And I remember renting it, and I'd heard about it. and came out in 85. I was like 4 in 1985. You'd think they're going to let me watch The Goonies. Not with all the language and the, and the situations. But it's on there. Remember when you could get video cassettes? I remember one of the video cassettes I had that I I basically wore out was The Goonies. Films like The Goonies, films like Anti-Mame, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption is one of those films... Remember, it didn't do very well box office-wise. But it ended up becoming this cult classic through rentals and through... And, and being played on television. Kind of similar to It's a Wonderful Life. And the Wizard of Oz. It, it has this other life. Those are also favorites that you could put in there. Yes. Yes. I am all about inclusion. And let's talk about Gone with the Wind. Let's talk about how for for now. Yeah, it's politically incorrect. It, it truly, truly is. Truly is. But then let's not forget the black actors who worked on the film who wanted to work. Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel is the first black actress, black actor ever to win an Academy Award. It is fucked up that she had to she 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 had to sit in the back. She couldn't be with the rest of the cast. And she ended up winning the Oscar. Someone wrote the speech for her. But she liked doing the work. Hattie McDaniel very famously said, I could either be a maid for this much money or play one on, t- on film, which much more. So she knew, even though there was controversy behind what she was doing. I know that some of you had a problem with that last year when Gone with the Wind, they had to add a descriptor. I don't have a problem with that because we live in 2021. Things are evolving. Things are changing. And your favorite films, I understand. I totally understand. And and it's unfortunate. Oh, uh, snowflakes. Really? Really? Native Americans. I mean, there's those scenes in Peter Pan, which, yeah, are considered offensive. My nephew, who is 10, was like, wait a minute. They're not Indians. They're Native Americans. They're indigenous people. So if he's saying that about a Disney film, think of think of Disney. That's also on the list. I love the Disney Peter Pan. 
Captain Hook. Come on. Tinkerbell. We Can Fly. <laughs> I have so many favorite films. Recently, someone was asking me, what's your favorite film? I said, there's too many to men- mention. It's too many. I would put The Seventh Seal way up there because I love that film. Uh, Wizard of Oz, of course. Good, good fellas. Godfather 2. Godfather 2, I'm probably one of the few people I would have preferred it if they had stayed in the past. Nothing against them being in Tahoe, but it's, I just kind of didn't like those scenes in Tahoe. When they go back to, so that it opens in, you know, Corle- Corleone. <sighs> Young Vito escaping being killed and his mother. That's such a powerful, oh God. Robert De Niro as a young Vito Corleone, and he wins the Academy Award for it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. The Godfather holds a distinction being the only film in Academy history for its first film and sequel to win Best Picture. Films, uh, we all have our favorites. We all we all have even, even uh, those who... Their favorite could be The Fast and the Furious. Hey, I'm not knocking it. It's not my cup of tea. Or even one of my friends, their favorite is Requiem for a Dream, which is such a disturbing film. But I can understand why it's their favorite. Yeah. Blue in the Morning, Red in the Afternoon. Remember that? Ellen Burstyn, who is so great, got nominated for an Oscar for that. Lost to Julia Roberts. But hey, who's counting? And then that same year, Chocolat with Juliette Binoche, which is also one of my favorites. I See, I have so many. I love that because it's about chocolate. And it's a fable. And of course, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and, and Judy Dench. Judy Dench is just... Only in this current century would an actress of that caliber and also her age be popular. Back then, in the, in the early days... Once you were 30, that was it. Or Betty Davis talking about being 40 and feeling like her her career was dead. And how All About Eve revived her career. That's sad. And so it's beautiful to see Judy Dench and Helen Mirren who are not 20 something. Or even uh Mer- Meryl Streep who's in her 70s. The Devil Wears Prada. Oh my god. That is so funny. Devil Wears Prada really gave Meryl a new audience. Meryl has always had that core audience. But the Devil Wears Prada, people in their 20s, teenagers were like, oh, gird your loins. (laughs) Yeah. Those are great films. Commando, I'll put up there because I, I like Arnold. Come on. Shout out to Shit Happens When You Party Naked, Jason. We've talked about Commando several, several times. Terminator 2. I like it more than Terminator 1. Yeah. I I have a list of films that really change. I mean, I remember the first time I watched Pulp Fiction. And I've talked about this before at length. Kill Bill 1 and 2. 
Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards to me, that is Quentin Tarantino at his best. Eat, you know, as a director, we all we and I'll say we because I consider myself a filmmaker. It's like the Olympics. It's like okay, it's like the bodybuilding. Jason will know about this. Mr. Olympia. You have trained for years for this, okay? As a director, you've trained for years. You cut your teeth on Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, you're this new kid on the block. Jackie Brown, come on. Robert Forrester, great performance. And then you give us Kill Bill 1 and 2. And then you slap us around with Inglorious Bastards. Followed by Django, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in America. So there's these peaks and valleys to Tarantino. Mostly peaks because it's like he keeps climbing to this different ascension as a director, as a filmmaker. Think about that. Didn't go to film school. That gives me hope. Worked in a video store. Learn, you know, you learn as in, in this craft, you have to learn as you go. It always bothered me when I thought about filmmaking. And then I would make the mistake of telling people in my family, oh, you can't do that unless you know about this, unless you know about that. And that's when I learned to shut my mouth on things that I wanted to do. I, they had no idea I wanted a podcast. And, I, and it's not a fuck you to them because, you know, hey, I understand. They, are in the, they were in the business. It was like this for them. It's totally different now. It's total, it was totally different then. Because what Tarantino represents is true independence. Just like Melvin Van Peebles, Mario Van Peebles, rest in peace. That's a true independent right there. Telling these black stories, no one's going to tell. Look at Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks was a photographer and a filmmaker and made Shaft. And how legendary Shaft was. That, That theme right there by Isaac Hayes. I love Isaac Hayes. I went on to do the chef role on South Park. But I'm wearing a Rick and Morty shirt, which in my opinion is a little better than South Park. Rick and Morty, if if they made that into a movie, oh my God. Yeah. And here we are. We're talking about films on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I also talk about music. I've got a lot of concerts lined up. I am just so happy for that. It brings me joy to be able to see someone like St. Vincent, Tool, Aftershock, Meshuggah. Ooh, I love the hard stuff. I truly do. I love hard bands. Gojara. Gojira or Gojara, however you say it, and Deftones. Yeah. That's the energy that I'm all about on this podcast. I always tell people, they'll say, well, what films should I watch? There's so many films. There's films that I I don't want to watch again, but I know I have to. I haven't seen Schindler's List since I was in high school. That's such a powerful film. You want to talk about a film where you're literally holding your breath. Because that that's real. That's what happened. And how Spielberg told that story in black and white. And the girl in the red dress. I remember that. 
or when they go to take a shower and they're expecting to be gassed because they would hear these stories. That that is powerful. That's in, in, in filmmaking where it's part documentary and part we have to tell this. We have to tell this. Bowling for Columbine. A documentary that was controversial. I don't think we've learned from that. And I want to give a shout out to Michael Moore. And I know a lot of people hate Michael Moore. I don't. I love when he gave that speech of the Academy Awards about the Dixie Chicks and, and Bush being a fictitious president. Punk rock. Punk rock. He deserved that Oscar. That, that film... Michael Moore ruffles feathers. I think of Roger and me. Think of what he was able to do. Oh my God. I have many filmmaking heroes and Michael Moore is one of them. Michael Moore is bold. He came from Flint, Michigan. And wanted to talk about what was going on in his backyard. Most people, they want to go into film and just run away. No. And and I, whatever. People say shit about Michael Moore, and that's fine. It's your opinion. I'm not going to fight you on it. But for me, it's real. It's real. Martin Scorsese. Ooh. Talk about a, a director who, okay. Yeah, he won the Oscar for The Departed. People have said that's not his best work. I'm going to disagree with you right there. And we can we can debate this in a good positive way. Think about it. The Departed is told in such an interesting narrative and also a plot. Something Scorsese wasn't really known for. And yeah, he'd been up there many, many times for the Oscar. And then he wins. And then the film wins Best Picture. I I'm gonna tell you. I watched The Departed the night before the Oscars. I think my brother rented it. I watched it. That ending, the ending alone told me this is going to win Best Picture. And it did. It was so well done. Despite some of you, oh, it's not Scorsese's best. Really? Really? So Hugo is better? No, I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. That's the thing with Scorsese. He has peaks and valleys like everybody. Even even Tarantino has peaks and valleys. You don't there's certain movies, eh, you know. But Scorsese, think about that. Everything had been leading up to that moment. Academy Award winner, Martin Scorsese. And then the next year, the Coen brothers. For no country for old men. I would have given it to them for Fargo. That's such a legendary film. Fargo is one of those films you have to... Le- the TV show I have not watched. Everyone has told me, watch the TV show. Watch the film. There is a magic to the Coen brothers that... These directors, you can't group them all together. It's like you cannot generalize this. You can't put them in a box. And that's the beauty of the Coen brothers. They both direct, they both write it, they both they come up with this stuff. 
One is married to Frances McDormand, who is just amazing. Yeah. One of, they're going to do uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, my good friend. Frances is on a roll. I, I want to give her some respect because I, you know what? I know a lot of people got boohoo about her winning the third Oscar for uh, Nomadland. I watched Nomadland. That was really powerful. I would have also given an Oscar to the lady. Um, I forget her name. Oh, that's sad that I forget it because that's a memorable character right there in Nomadland. Because there were real nomads. Frances McDormand has won the Academy Award for Best Actress three times. First for Fargo, Best Actress. Second for no um, three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri, which I did not like. If I watch it again, maybe I will. And the third for Nomadland. If she wins a fourth time, she will be tied with Katherine Hepburn. If she wins a fifth time, the record is broken. Katherine Hepburn has won four Academy Awards more than any actor in her profession. Think about that. First for Morning Glory. And then 30-something years later, for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, followed by The Lion in Winter, which is one of my personal favorites. And then in 1981, her fourth and final Oscar, she never showed up to collect them. Hey, four. On Golden Pond. Catherine Hepburn. I don't think that record will ever be broken. I think it will be matched. Maybe Francis will do it. And yes, Meryl, Meryl has three. But Meryl has two at lead and one supporting. And, and that's not discounting her. Oh my goodness. This Academy Awards, people. Oh my goodness. But see, I love talking about things like this. This really gets me going. Where you can debate things like this. And, um, okay, here we go. Directed by Chloe Zhao. This is, this is an interesting film. Swanky! Charlene Swanky. So that character really should have been nominated. If you watch Nomadland, you will see. Nomadland is a heartbreaking film. It truly is. If I sound a little under the weather, I am. I don't know what's going on. I think it's allergies. Nomadland is a powerful film. You could watch it. I I recommend it. Just know that it's very sad. It's very sad. Another film that I want you all to watch, and it is one of my favorites, because he was a damn good-looking son of a bitch, but he was also a damn great actor with that voice. Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter. powerful film and so as always unpleasant dreams